started. So thanks to Dottie for introducing me and putting this all together and just that wonderful introduction. Um, curious, who here knows anything about me before this event, like whether you've listened to podcasts, YouTube, maybe um, we've interacted, um, or you know of my work in any other way, anyone here? Well, just from Dottie. Just through, okay, cool, and some of you are totally new. Awesome. Um, well, just uh, how I want to start this off, you know, there was a number of things that were said and mentioned that I think are really relevant to the theme of what I want to discuss, which is ultimately about optimizing human potential. But I come at that conversation from a lot of different angles because just the human body itself is a very, very complex and interactive, integrative, holistic Thing. It's not just, you can't compartmentalize it and getting into physiology and, and the compartments of the organs and the hormone systems. Like you can't just, you can't just like linearly hyper-specialize on one thing like the liver and the gallbladder, right? Or the kidneys or um, the immune system. Like it's all a very interactive and interlinked system just when you're talking about the body. But then when you talk about optimizing the human experience, now you're talking about optimizing the four quadrants of what I think the human experience really comes down to, which is the mental body, the physical body, the emotional body, and the, um, the, um, what was I going? the, um, the spiritual body. And all of the, those four quadrants are unified within the signature of your soul. And so that's a whole conversation within itself. And really what that, what that translates to in all practical terms is why are you here? What is, what motivates you to do what you do? What motivates you to be healthier? What motivates you to open your mind? What motivates you and compels you to dive into your emotional spectrum to actually release emotions and actually explore that side of things? And what, what motivates you to get into spiritual principles or concepts or meditation or whatever and ultimately, what the reason you do anything is the reason you do everything. And so looking at that, then it becomes more interesting because then it's not like, oh, I just do personal development and I'm just like in my head all the time with all these principles, these self-development principles that are oftentimes more conceptual, but they're not integrated in the physical body. So people aren't actually living it. They're living in their head. And so they have all these concepts, but they, they are in a revolving door of seminar junkie kind of behavior, just going, going, getting, 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 just consuming, 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 instead of actually going in and figuring out why are they here? Why, why do I even care to go to the seminar? Why do I keep going back to that thing? What is driving me? And that's a totally different, it's like you have to, you have to interject, you know, like instead of project, right? Some people project on the outside world, but you kind of have to reverse that and actually introject within yourself and figure out like, okay, what inside of me is running the show? You know, like what in my psychology is running my behavior, right? Because nothing is by accident. Like, has anyone here like eaten dinner on accident? That ever happened? Yeah. Like you just, you don't, you just like showed up at the dinner table and it was just like, 30 minutes later, it was gone. You don't even know what happened. Did that ever happen? No. Okay. So that, that's similar to like a hypnotic spell then. Right. 
right? You were kind of hypnotized. Maybe there was a, there was a transmission device that we call a television, mm-hmm. right? And it's telling you a vision and then it creates a hypnotic spell and then it triggers certain parts of your brain that get activated like the, the amygdala and the reptilian, the, the prefrontal cortex, which is hyperlinear, hyper just like heavy, like analytical energy, but then certain parts of your brain get shut offline, like more like rational and critical thinking and, and self-reflective aspects where the emotions are actually derived. So you actually get cut off from your emotions and then you become imprinted with the external world or the external messages and then that becomes your reality, right? And then you're essentially under a hypnotic spell. That's basically the idea. And then that's how people can actually, you know, have an, a, 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 um, a thing of Oreos or a thing of Doritos or whatever. And their intention is just to have a couple but then 30 minutes later, the whole bag is gone and they don't even remember what just happened. It's like they checked in and checked out and then they check back in. And it's like the whole case of beer is gone. The whole the thing that they thought that they could just uh, moderate, like they could just, oh, I'm just going to do this in moderation. Right. But that's the point is that there's something actually driving your behavior that's beyond your conscious awareness. So then you have to. So like when you're looking at the whole picture of like, how do I optimize the human experience then you have to factor in the whole experience, right? And that gets into a little bit of a deeper conversation. And there's a lot of people I can reference, like Dr. John D. Martini's work, I think is the single best in the world on this particular, on this particular subject of increasing human potential and understanding like what are your core values? Because mm-hmm. really what this comes down to is what do you value? Like you can say I value health, but do your actions demonstrate that? I value harmonious relationships, but do our, I value finances, I value wealth, I value blah, 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 like social memes. Like, oh, I value this because it's really actually politically correct to say that, but does that actually reflect my actions? And so that's a huge aspect that we have to look at if we want to make any change in our life. If we actually want something more in our life, we have to be willing to kind of lift up the car the, the hood and actually look at what's going on underneath it and have the courage to do that. And ultimately what I think that comes down to is just self-esteem. You know, if you really want to get into it, like what, what is health all about? Like health is not some kind of generic term that you go to Barnes and Noble and you have like a million different books on in the health section and they're all conflicting messages and, and uh, they're all rearranged and reconfigured and recontextualized in a different acronym, the ABC diet, or the vegan diet, or the raw food diet, or then there's like a million different subsets of all that, or the paleo diet. It's like, I don't even know what the paleo diet is because it's like there's a million different interpretations of that. I know what the raw food diet is because I've been in it for 12 years. I, and my, my mentors are some of the originators of the modern day movement, so I know exactly what that is. Um, but there's so many different subsets that most people are so confused in the diet world. And when you look at the word diet, you have to break that apart. It's a diet, right? The word die is in it. Has anyone here ever been on a diet? Does anyone here want to die it? Is that what we want? I've been doing that all my life. <laughs> right? And what's that doing for us? Deprivation, starvation, guilt, fear, shame. Right? That's all that gets, gets us. So what we have to do is actually get from the diet 
and start getting into the live it, where we actually start living more, right? And then that, so that's really, and that really comes down to like, how much do you respect yourself? Like, are you willing to make an investment of your time, your energy, your resources, your, uh, you know, your emotional investment, all that stuff? Are you willing to actually reinvent yourself to get a better result than you had for 20, 30, 40 years, whatever the case may be? And that's an important, that's an important thing because I could sit here and rattle off all kinds of scientific information and explanations for the ketogenic diet or the raw food diet or the vegan diet or the, the pescatarian diet or vegetarian diets and, and every single subset because I'm, I'm obsessed about this stuff and I've spent the last 10 years studying this intensely only to try to understand why people believe in it in the first place. Like why are there, why are there just as many diets as there's humans and yet, why are there humans out there that are proposing a one-size-fits-all type of diet? What's the dogma behind that? What's the fundamentalism behind that? Is that some kind of religious approach to eating patterns? Is there something real there? Or is there a different way of going about it? Right? And I think all those things have merit. That's the thing about it, too, is that when you start breaking it all apart, you start to realize, like, oh, okay, like all this has truth in it. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. Like, people have to be getting some kind of result, right, in order to keep doing it. It's hard to do something for decades and it not to produce any results. Like, you have to be getting something from it. So I bro- I've just broken all that apart, and I've looked at, like, okay, cool. Like, the thing that seems to be most effective with all these dietary approaches and these lifestyle approaches the things that work the most and have the most transformative effect are the approaches that lead us back to nature and that's that's not like a trivial thing because when you go to barnes and noble and you look at all those books and you look at these diet programs and these pseudo fitness weight loss programs whatever you start to realize most of it is is consumer based it's based in fear and it's actually based in, in civilization, which has nothing to do with health. Just put that out there. Like my whole life experience in the last 10 years of going to Hawaii, going all around, this, this, this has taken me all around the world. And especially living in Hawaii for years on end, I've really realized like the, the, the thing that actually destroys health the most is the city. It's the most unhealthy place you can be. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I won't go into like every little nook and cranny of that, but I think most of you kind of can sense that, especially if you have been to a semi-tropical environment or you've been in the the redwoods, the old growth forest, and you've been in nature, you kind of get a sense that like, oh, okay, there's some kind of connection here. There's something beyond my peripheral perceptive qualities that's judging everything based on what I can see, taste, touch, feel, physically. It's beyond my sensorium which is, you know, just your physical senses, like there's something beyond the veil, right? And the more time you spend in nature, you start to realize, like, I actually feel better. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't feel as hyper-stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, great, the, the biggest um, uh, epidemic of civilization is sympathetic overload, which is where your nervous system goes into a hyper-fight-or-flight state. We call that the sympathetic nervous system, and it gets locked, And so then instead of healing that and rerouting that into a parasympathetic state, which is 
relaxation, digestion, elimination, respiration, all the autonomic functions of, of living that help you naturally detox and cleanse, that help you absorb your nutrients and, and you know, just live a, a, a healthy life. You, people get locked into it because their environment is hyper-stressful. The people in their environment are stuck in that system, and they're probably their their mind is probably hijacked with all kinds of symbolic programming that's disturbing their consciousness. So there's all this projection going on there, and then we just get it gets stuck on our org field. It just gets stuck on us, and our nervous system is actually on red alert, and it's actually like, hello, there's a problem, there's a problem, malfunction, the system, system overload can't breathe properly, so our breathing is shallow. Hold, I can't heal, can't heal. There's, there's this thing, it's starting to metastasize. It's going out, of, tr- going out of, of control. Metastasizing cancer, tumor, whatever. Blood sugar imbalances, pancreatic dysfunction, um, et cetera, et cetera. All that, is a, all that stuff is the manifestation of a body and mind that's out of balance, like a dis-ease. It's just a body and mind that's out of, that's in dis-ease. It's dis, it's dis, it's in a disarray, right? And we know that getting back into nature is the quickest way to get back into connection because the, the problem with everything in civilization is that it's disconnection based. If you look at like trauma, if you really study trauma and you get into like clinical psychiatry and, and, and um, really study um, developmental psychology, you start to really look at trauma a little bit differently than maybe we were taught. Like we were taught that a trauma is an event that happened to us and that traumatized us, right? And then we keep repeating the cycle. It's called repetitive um, compulsion in, in psychology. It says we keep repeating, that we compulsively repeat the trauma. It's like we keep going back to the addictive substance. We keep going back to the toxic relationship. We keep going back to the, the whatever, the, the, the thing that's keeping us, which is from the real, the real trauma is the disconnection. So the event and the trauma have to be disassociated in order for true healing to happen. Because if you think that the event is the trauma, you're going to keep in your mind, you're going to keep tracing back to the event, which triggers the disconnection, but you're not actually addressing what's the core issue. The core issue is that you're a human being that's disconnected. Does that make sense? So you actually, like, we can actually rewrite the whole story because it's all a story anyway. It's all made up. And when we look back on the past, we are reinterpreting and rescripting the event anyways. And we're filtering it based on new information. So it's not even real anyways. But we, re, we re-experience it as if it's happening over and over and over. And that's how we stay in that, that, that sympathetic state. Because we haven't dealt with the fact that, hey, I'm actually feeling disconnected. And so what happens then? Then we go into the addictive patterns because they help us feel something. Like what coffee, right? Like what is that about? Like that's, that's easily one of the biggest drugs going. It has a functional use, right? But the way that it's being done is nothing short of a full-blown drug. And it helps people feel stimulated. It feel like feel endorphins. It mimics certain chemicals in the brain and helps you feel like serotonergic, like the serotonergic system, your serotonin, for example, it'll help boost that, but at a dopamine cost. So eventually your adrenals start to fall out if you hyper 
Um, if you do that in a hyper way, you're basically you rely on like a crutch. There's a million different things we could we could we could say. I don't want to make that the focus of the talk, but it's ultimately the disconnection that we feel that causes the dis-ease. And so you might, if you're really on that, that train of thought, you might have to trace back and reverse engineer your life experience to actually go back to where you were a child and you had that first event happened. And you might be carrying some wounds of rejection and abandonment and um, whatever, whether it's masculinated wounds or it's feminized wounds, meaning the female and masculine experience. Right? And how society has not nurtured that whatsoever. And for men, we have had no rites of passage. So we don't actually have that transition from boyhood into manhood. So you have all these men that are basically have a Peter Pan syndrome and are just hopping around. And, and then, you, and then off the wounding to the feminine is pretty obvious. Right, how that and this just the manipulation and all that, how all that plays into, it. and ultimately, all that is just a bunch of distorted patterns based on the fact that hey, I'm wounded, I have wounding, and that's the first place that we have to get is actually just get into that place where we can we can admit that, and that's the thing I've learned with like you know this whole thing about like how do you optimize the human experience? Well, you've got to actually get to a place where you can be honest with yourself of like hey, I have actually. I've actually experienced wounds, I've experienced psychological issues, I've experienced emotional, I have physical issues going on, and now I'm going to allow myself to explore that. I'm going to start to investigate my own experience because I believe, as Napoleon Hill said in his book, Think and Grow Rich, that built inside, the, the built inside every problem is the seed of its solution. So you can't have a problem or a challenge or an obstacle without the solution to it being built into it. But if you're disconnected and you're numbing yourself and tranquilizing yourself and medicating it and all, and, and all that stuff, then it's going to keep you insulated from experiencing the solution. The solution creates spontaneous healing, spontaneous abundance. I mean, I, I, I have that experience all the time in my business. It's like instead of me just being like externalizing myself, like, oh, I got to do all this stuff. I got, okay, I got to keep it all. I got to reach out to 100 people and, uh, and all that. It's like, no, how about I'm in, I have a misalignment? How about let me look inside for a moment and see where my energy system is blocked and I'm not allowing what's already there. Because if you have an uh, intuitive sense, if you have a guttural instinct, you have an inspired kind of thought, then that means it's already there. It's a seed of potential. It just means the timeline has to get collapsed. And you may be on a particular timeline, a particular trajectory based on your life experience, based on the habits and the thoughts and all that stuff that your operating system is built into it. It's got you on a timeline, and everything that you want is on a different timeline. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if you keep going down this timeline, you can't have, this doesn't work. And if you do get this, it's going to be a mixed result. You're going to get this mismatched kind of experience, which is, can be very confusing. So the universe and all its kind of infinite kind of perfection tries to reroute us and tries to get us on the particular trajectory that is most inspiring, is most fun, it's most light, it's most invigorating, 
but we kind of get in our own way. It's like, no, 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 I'm on this diet. This is the only thing. I was told by my doctor, my nutritionist, and my armchair scientist of a neighbor or whatever, and this is the only way, and I have to stick with this. And they keep bumping up against the wall. And then it's like the universe, like, at some point, it's like, all right, we check him out. We're going to move on, right? The, the same, he's not getting the synchronicities, not getting the messages, not getting it. Like, we can't, do, we can't work with this. Recycle him out, and then maybe we'll incarnate him. And then give him another go. Roll the dice again. Maybe he'll get it in the next lifetime. But you can collapse timelines. This is, this is something that's happening all the time. I just, did, I just did it the other day. I was on a particular trajectory with a relationship and living situation and all this stuff. And I invested time and energy and my heart and everything into it. Just not working, not flowing. And I finally got it. I was like, you know what? This isn't going to change. I don't want more of the same. It's only going to get worse. And everything in my life that I want is suffering. So it's like I got to actually extract my heart and my emotional entanglements and just pull that back and collapse timelines and shift. And I'll tell you, literally the moment I shifted and got on a plane to come here and just close that loop, everything in my business, I mean, I don't know how many thousands of dollars of randomly, not randomly, but like seeds have sprouted within days just without me doing anything. Because I had already done what I needed to do. I would already made the investments. I planted the seed. I watered the, the soil. But it just couldn't sprout. Does that make sense? So I had to actually like take charge of the situation and then just shift. And now I did. I'm on a completely different trajectory. And it feels really good. <laughs> and that's how you know. Does this feel good? Do I feel inspired? Do I feel lightened up? Right? This whole thing about enlightenment, it's like people are suffering in spirituality, trying to find enlightenment, and they're missing the whole point. It's like, enlightenment is about lightening up. Just lighten up, right? Mm-hmm. Stop taking everything so seriously, because that's just, that's just narcissism anyways. It's like, oh, oh me, look, this happened to me, I'm a victim. It's like, yeah, you are. And so is every other human being on the planet. Everyone has been oppressed and, and, and uh, you know, suppressed and repressed and victimized. Congratulations. And what are you going to do about it? That's the only rational response to that I can see in this world right now. It's like, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to, yeah, okay, life is suffering for sure. Undisputable. We all go through it. And what now? Like, to me, it's really like, the only option is like, okay, how can I live my life in a way that reduces suffering? Right? Like, how can I vaporize this victim archetype that keeps playing out in my life that's got me running onto bad food habits or toxic relationships or spending money in frivolous ways? And that's another thing, by the way, is like, that comes into this whole conversation is like, what's really necessary? Because when you really get in, this is what I love about the raw food approach in particular is that it teaches you about what's really necessary, unlike anything else. There is no other nutrition approach that actually teaches you point blank what you need and don't need. And yeah, there's seasons, there's cycles, not everything is forever for sure. But, you know, I don't think anybody's actually qualified to actually like truly talk like with a lot of conviction and confidence about nutrition and healing in particular, if they don't have that experience. 
if they haven't gone at least, I don't know, maybe a year, everyone's, everyone's different, everyone has a different opinion, so there's a bell curve, I just wanna say that, there's a bell curve, meaning we got a lot of different people on the planet, a lot of different metabolisms, hormones, microbiome, psychology, so there are exceptions for sure, but generally speaking, my opinion is that unless somebody has gone through a cleansing, like they've gone at least a year on a plant-based diet, maybe two years, right? And they've done it the right way. Organic, get off the food allergies like the wheat, corn, dairy, soy, refined sugar. That's right, because that's, that can actually be worse. If you're still like on the, the vegan junk food diet, that actually is worse to get on that unless it's just a quick bridge. But if you get on that, like the, the you know, like I don't know how many people here have been in the vegan community. I've been in that thing for so long. I can't even, I, I can't even address it anymore. Like it's hard for me to actually speak at vegan, vegan based like conferences now because I can't hold my tongue. It's like guys, like this whole thing, like this is actually, not, like there's nothing really wrong with veganism. There's just a lot of things wrong with vegans. <laughs> That's really the truth of the whole thing. It's just this dogmatic, and the same thing with the paleo community. It's like, I've just looked at that, I'm like, you guys have never cleansed in your life. And it's like, come on, are you serious? You're gonna tell me that this is the only approach and you're gonna make fun of everyone on the plant-based diet, but you've never actually gone through a cleansing. You've never cleaned out your body, so you don't even know if it works. You're just like, you know, uh, you know a lot of it's gluttony. So it's like, I see both sides, right? And so what we have to do is actually get to a place where we're psychologically balanced and where perspective can entertain multiple perspectives. Like I can listen to you having a different perspective than me and not be triggered by it and not be defensive and actually like, oh, okay, that's, I see where they're coming from. That's interesting. Let me take a nugget out of that so I can, I can hold more. I can see more. You know, because once something gets dogmatic, then it's like, you got to break it. That's what I figured out in my life is like, once something becomes a belief system that can't entertain other possibilities or opposing views, I got to break it. And so that's an interesting thing to point out, even as somebody who might be classified for many years as like a raw foodist and um, in the vegan community or whatever. I'm not vegan, by the way. Like, even if I eat all vegan, I'm definitely not vegan because that I don't like the label. I don't like the, you can't define somebody based on what they do or don't do in their, their diet. That's not the right way to define someone. But one of some of the confusion in the diet world is that we're boxing people in based on what they do or don't do in that particular point in their life. And it creates a lot of shame. It creates a lot of guilt. And it creates a lot of repression. Because if you go deeper into it with people, you find out people are so repressed and so scared of actually telling people what they're actually doing that they're closet eating. It's like, what? What, what is that about? So it's like, we got to break out of all that, the isms and all that stuff and actually just get to a place of like entertaining possibilities. Like what's going to work for me right now? What am I attracted to? What are, what, what are my inclinations? Like, again, it comes back to like, seeking within, like, what do I feel right now? Because everything's an experiment anyways. 
So it's like, okay, maybe you've been on the plant-based diet for a while and then you're kind of feeling like, okay, I'm hearing a lot of people talk about incorporating meat or bone broth or ghee or something and it's kind of coming up a little bit. It's like, okay, well, I could, I'm kind of getting interested in that. I don't have the experience of it because I've been on this, this end for a while. And so if it keeps coming up, it's probably a better idea just to run an experiment on yourself. You don't have to tell anyone about it. But it's better for your own, your own mental bandwidth because otherwise you're going to have this energy in your mind that's taking up space. So it's better to be like, okay, well, you know what, this thing keeps showing up. Let me just shift real quick and run a quick experiment. But the reason we don't do that is because we're scared of the truth. And the truth is different for everyone, but it's like, oh, what if that actually works? <laughs> what if that actually makes me feel better? Then what? Then what, who am I? Because I've identified myself with this whole thing. Right? So then what? Or, you know, again, I could say that more, a lot, very presently for the other side of it. It's like, what if I actually just did go plant-based for <laughs> a week? <laughs> Jesus. I mean, I'm just like, I've just, it's hard for me to, go, to be in some circles because it's like, I mean, I'm like, in my world... You know, I've seen miraculous healings. I've seen diabetes type 2 healed within two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, completely get off all insulin. Pancreas and the beta cells and the alpha cells are coming back online. And the incurable condition is completely reversed within weeks. Yeah. I've seen, I mean, I know breatharians. One of my friends isn't actual, he was, he, now, he, now he drinks shaga tea and I think he's like, I think he's doing something else. But for 17 years, he's actually a breatharian. We did an interview together. His name's Genesis Sunfire. You go listen to that interview for two and a half hours, and then you come back to me and you tell me, you tell me, what's your thought process like now? Hmm. Right? It's just, I've just seen, I've just seen too many things that have shaken me out of even believing anything anymore. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't, there's just, there's anomalies, there's X factors, there's, 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 there's magic, essentially, is what I'm kind of getting at. There's magic that's, that's built into the fabric of reality. And if we're tightly bound, and this obviously goes far beyond just like nutrition, but if we're tightly bound in our life, then the magic will elude us. And we will create a belief system that is hyper-materialistic, it's potentially atheistic, and it's scientismic, which scientism is not the same thing as science, by the way. Has anyone heard that term, scientism? Scientism is a material, atheistic, um, uh, basically religion that pretends to be scientific. You mean like Western medicine? Pr yes, exactly. <laughs> and this is where the belief systems start to get broken down and deconstructed very quickly because science... Is an, objective, is an objective approach to finding out an unbiased result based on an environment or, or certain particular um, variables within a study or something, whatever the deal is. But it's an it's a unbiased, objective approach to just seeing what's true. Scientism is not objective, it's not unbiased, and it's highly manipulated based on particular agendas to get the result that they want and to put that out there. But because we weren't educated on distinction and discernment, 
we don't really necessarily know the difference. But once you do know the difference, you can spot it out. You can see it. You don't even need to know about, uh, you know, as far as the rabbit hole goes, you can spot it out and you can see it within yourself. And then all of a sudden you go start looking at the diet world and you can start to spot it out based on the vibration of the person telling you what to do. Right? Like, have you, have you had a diet book before and you turned the cover and looked at the picture of the person on it? <laughs> like Dr. Atkins? Remember that? Yeah. Didn't he die of a heart disease? Yes. I mean, what? Yeah. But that's supposed to be the heart-healthy diet? Right. It's like, you know, nothing is hidden anymore. Yeah. It's all just being put out there in the open. So, you know, like, back to this thing of, like... Um, you know, for example, like, it's, you have these two diametrically opposed worlds. <clears throat> you have the science, scientism, whatever however you want to think about it. You have, in the medical world, you have people on loudspeakers and white trench coats basically eating out of vending machines, telling you that, like, diabetes is incurable. We don't even know what causes it. It's a blood sugar disorder. It's a, your pancreas isn't working. We need to inject insulin for the rest of your life or cancer, you need to cut, burn, poison right on the spot. We need to vaccinate your child because they're going to get some sexually transmitted disease. And so you need to prevent, what? And then all the booster shots and all that kind of stuff, right? It's like, so, okay, what? No, um, they're telling me that this is totally incurable. I'm a mistake. My baby is a mistake. I'm broken. We're broken. And we need medical intervention for basically, you know, anything. And they're gonna, and I'm gonna come in with a viral infection, and they're gonna put me on antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. Huh? That's interesting. That sounds a lot like laziness to me. No critical thinking. Where does here you go? Just, just take it. Just, you might as well. Why not? Here you go. It's like candy. Just Why take not? it. And then you have the other side, which is like, you know, Dr. Gabriel Cousins in Patagonia, Arizona, care. Diabetes type two, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, all done. Have a nice life. Diabetes type one, 30% success rate of reversal. That's unheard of. What, what do they do over there? Raw living foods, sprouted foods, sprouted seeds and sprouted nuts and seeds, um, grass powders, vegetables, minimal sugar fruit, superfood green powders, Remineralizing the body, realkalizing the body, getting microbiome integrity back because your gut microbiome is pretty much the dictator or the the height the the most influential factor of every other part of your body, specifically the immune system. We know that if your microbiome, which is your biological garden, right? You think of it that way. It's like your inner ecosystem, similar to like an outer rainforest. So within, so without, you know, that whole thing, right? It's a, it's a direct reflection of nature. And so you have a symbiotic environment of organisms that need to be basically 80% on the same page. And then, then if that's the case, then the 20% of opportunistic or invasive organisms that we call bacteria, fungal infections, yeast, candida, mold, parasites, all that kind of stuff then it'll keep them at bay and it can actually pleomorphically transform them into beneficial organisms. But if the environment is, if the rainforest has been deforested, 
and polluted and contaminated and the mineral content in your microbiome has been stripped and you're mostly an acidic environment, then those organisms override everything and that's how we get the big C word. What is that? What the big, you know what I'm talking about, right? What is that? Mostly speaking, it's either hormonally driven or and it's a viral fungal condition that has gone way out of control. And the tumor is actually the body's last ditch effort to protect, to protect itself. It creates a buffer system we call a tumor or candida, for example. Candida is actually a buffer. It's actually trying to save you. But we antibioticize because we ought to kill, 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 kill. And so there's nothing alive left, right? The body is like, I mean, just imagine like the body is a living organism. Like it, does that make sense? Like life begets life. But instead it's like, we're going to, we're going to introduce death to get more life. I don't know. doesn't quite make sense. So, you know, you got to like, so what the, what the, you know, in that particular example, getting the microbiome tuned up is really, really important, to say the least. There's another thing here, too, that, that is about empowerment, because it goes beyond logical understanding, is you don't actually have to know about most of this. It's good to know about it, so you can navigate with some sophistication, your own awareness, and kind of navigate the minefield of all this stuff, but it's also intuitive intelligence. It's innate intelligence. And a lot of people think of like the word intuition as like, okay, you just got to be in your heart. It's got to be in your heart. It's all. It's got to be in your heart. That's great. But your heart will lead you all kinds of down, down all kinds of rabbit holes. That's, I just got out of that. <laughs> you got to actually be, you got to have some guttural intelligence. You got to have some guttural instinct, right? And that's intuition actually comes from the gut. And if your gut is malfunctioning, you better believe that that's going to be influential in your ability to critically think about how to move from one step of life to another in a way that's serving you, right? And how to overcome some of these potentially addictive behaviors or just whatever, whatever's holding us back. So that's a really important thing, having guttural instinct, getting back into instinct, because that's the thing that we talked about like civilization. Civilization is, is concretized. It's hard. It's, it's a calcified environment that has stripped spirit from matter, right? And this is a, that's actually an interesting point too, like that I try to make. I've spoken at Agape, I think four times over the years. One of the things I'll bring in there with them is like, hey, like, you know, we gotta, we gotta merge the, the material with the spiritual because the way that spiritual spirit manifest itself is through matter. Otherwise, it can't express itself. The painter, the painting doesn't paint itself. The business doesn't build itself. You know what I mean? Like spirit needs matter to imbue itself into to experience itself in physical form. So if you have philosophy without action, then you have fantasy. But if you have action without philosophy, you have chaos. And that's, the, that's really kind of what we're dealing with in our world is we have massive action, 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 action. Take massive action, action, action. Oh, wait, why am I doing this? Forget it. Who cares? Just keep going. Keep going. And then just keep I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust through the wall. Right? I'm going to heal myself. It's like, oh, 
I don't know about that. Maybe you should just like stop trying to heal yourself. Maybe you should just like go relax, go in the ocean, go just kind of like, yeah, just do something else. Like, I don't think this is, this is working too much, right? Is that hard energy? But then on the other end, if you're just like philosophizing, you're just meditating all day and it's like, you're just kind of like aimless or kind of ungrounded, then you don't have, you can't actually manifest. You can't create. You only have half the equation. You're setting a vibrational template, but there's no movement. There's no continuity of movement. There's nothing, there's not, you're not, you're basically not able to transform yourself. I think that's probably the most relevant place to take this is like, what is this all about? It's about transformation, right? How does somebody actually transform themselves? You know, we have these, these, uh, these words like healing, processing, transforming. Very rarely do I find somebody tell me that they've healed. I've processed. I've transformed. You see the difference there? There's one that's kind of a perpetual loop. And it's like, oh, I'm just in my healing process. I'm just healing. I'm just healing. Yeah, I'm just, you know, can't quite get there. You know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm still healing. Just processing. Yeah, we got to process all night long, weeks on end. Just got to keep going. <laughs> got to keep pushing the button. Got to keep retracing the steps over and over and over. And it's like, no, actually, I'm healed. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a decision you make. There's two ways I figured out that healing happens. It's either you just get so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you're like, F it, I'm I'm healed. I'm going about my life. And then actually the habits that support healing start to align naturally because you've declared to yourself that I'm healed. So all of a sudden it sets up a new identity for yourself and then your psychology becomes one of healed. Therefore you stop doing things that that oppose it. Mm-hmm. And then the other way healing happens is when you forget that you were ever in pain to begin with. Right? Like that's what happened to me. The way that I got into all this is I was a um, semi-professional athlete. I was an Olympic hopeful for Taekwondo and um, in 2008, and I'd spent my entire life since I was four years old in martial arts, playing basketball. I was a dual sport um, athlete, and that was my whole life in reality. And when I was 18, I had my first knee injury, and then I had to get a knee surgery. And then I was going through rehabilitation, corrective, corrective movement patterns, retraining my body to heal itself. I didn't have the food part in. I didn't really couldn't quite under that was not introduced to me properly so I kind of was doing a lot of different things and then at 22 I had another knee surgery on my other knee and then by then it kind of started clicking like okay what I put in my mouth probably has some kind of effect on my body probably has something to do with something I should probably like look that up on YouTube because I have YouTube should probably go and like type in a search and see what comes up you know it's free no, no, no cost to me to just enter in and just roll the dice. Let's see what happens on YouTube University. And then I found some interesting stuff. And eventually I got into, I just found some stuff on vegetarianism, found some stuff on raw food and on grounding, getting out of the rubber sole we call a shoe that actually breaks your foot down and misaligns your, your anatomical alignment, throws everything completely off. I started learning about this stuff. I was like, man, this is exactly 
what's going on. So instead of, but, but instead of just thinking about it, I asked myself a question. I said, what would happen if I adopted a 100% raw food vegan diet for 30 days? That's all it was. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm like, no, I'm, it wasn't a whole thing of like, I'm a raw vegan now. No. Let's just see what happens. What's going to happen if I adopt this approach? I'm seeing people, miraculous healings, miraculous weight loss stories, miraculous things that I've never heard before. And I'm over here on this side. They're telling me it's completely impossible and it has nothing to do with what you eat. But here's this pill and eat it. It's like, okay, well, that, I don't know. It doesn't really kind of resonate with me. I feel something's kind of off about that. So let me, they're, they're telling me that it's possible. Like, they're, they're just making me scared and afraid. And I'm not really feeling that. So, like, at least there's some kind of glimmer of hope over here. So let me just try this and see what happens. Within 30 days, I forgot that I was ever in pain. I've been dealing with these knee injuries and scar tissue and inflammation for a number of years. And literally in 30 days of juicing, green vegetable juicing, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, superfood smoothies getting barefoot and going and actually getting barefoot connected to the earth, getting in nature, getting sun on my skin, right? Getting out of the whole fear propaganda, the sun, the sun causes cancer and that whole story and just actually entertaining possibilities. Within 30 days, I find myself almost like possessed, forgetting that I ever was afraid to go running and re-injure my knees. And I go to this, this uh, hill that I used to run for like many years as a teenager. And I ran five miles in the hills and I came back and I like, I was like the endorphins wore off and I was like, wow, wait a minute, what's going on? I just ran five miles. I haven't done that in years. And then I started checking my knees and, and, and all this. And then I, I realized, whoa, I'm, I'm out of pain. Like there's no pain whatsoever, but even more powerful than that is like, I realized that I had forgotten that I was out of pain, that I had pain whatsoever. And that's when you know that you have healed. When the story, the reference point for the trauma or the, the whatever has completely left, your, left you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And then from there, you have something called transformation because you have actually transformed yourself, whether you know it or not, or intended that to happen. And the only way we can transform ourselves is by getting out of the fear and doom and gloom program and just adopting a perspective of infinite possibilities. Like, what, what, let me just roll the dice. What's, what can happen? You know, if you actually take the perspective that you're always protected... Mm -hmm. then you, you actually get into a place where that becomes your reality. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like, a, um, like an airy-fairy kind of thing. You have to live it. Because if you, are, if you ask for more strength, you're going to get opportunities <laughs> to become stronger. If you ask for healing, you're going to get opportunities <laughs> to heal yourself. Mm -hmm. If you ask for more love, you're going to get opportunities to become more loving. Right? And it doesn't just like... It typically doesn't just happen super gracefully either because it's a transformation process. It's an, an, an ancient alchemy in order to turn um, like lead into gold, so to speak, you have to put it through a fire and it has to burn away the impurities so it can become its rarefied, purified, refined, noble metal, right? Well, that's, that's life. 
How many times do we go through challenging circumstances and completely give it a, a, a disempowering meaning? And they're like, no, God, that's not what I asked for. Hello, that's not what I wanted. This, now I have this, like, this, this, this cancer, this, this uh, autoimmune condition, or my, my world is falling apart. It's dismantling my relationships, my business, my employment, whatever situation. It's all falling apart. Hold on, that's not what I asked for. The secret doesn't work. Love attraction doesn't work. It's like, yeah, because there's more to it than that. Actually, it works perfectly. And it's working all the time. It's working moment by moment by moment by moment. And that's why it's so important to bring yourself into the moment. Right? That's, that's really the key here is because you figure out what works for you by being in the moment. Being very present to what's going on right now. Not having one foot in the past, one foot in the future, then you, you kind of compartmentalize and disassociate parts of yourself from, from things that used to exist and then in the past and then things that, that have not even happened. And you actually, that to me is what creates, creates disease in the first place. On top of all the food and the toxicity and all the other things going on. So that's why I always bring it back to this, this human experience, this optimizing the human experience. Because if you focus on that, the diet will take care of itself. The, the, um, the financial things will take care of itself. Because now you're, you're expanding your field. You're expanding your perspective beyond just like, oh, all I care about is this thing. It's like, no, it's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. So to open up the mind and think, okay, there's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and then what aligns that all together is the soul purpose, right? What is the soul purpose of my life? What is the soul purpose of my career? What is the soul purpose of my, why I want to have an optimized lifestyle? What is the point? What is the purpose? And if you can link that to somewhere desirable that you want to go, then it creates a momentum field where now instead of being pushed by pain, you're pulled by a vision, right? And now it starts to pull you in the direction that you want to go. And again, you know that you're going there because it feels good. <laughs> it may not always feel comfortable, <laughs> but it feels good. It had, there's a sense of meaning. And that's, again, I was mentioning the scientism thing. It, it's basically void of meaning. It's like nihilism, right? Like, oh, everything is so hard. I'm suffering so much. There must be no meaning in the world. It's like, no, hello, meaning is right in front of you. Every single moment of your life. But the problem is, like, it's not that there's no meaning. It's just you're blind. You're cosmically illiterate. <laughs> you know, you're stuck in literalism. <laughs> like, you're just like, you're just sitting here making up meanings. You're making up the meaning that there is no meaning. Therefore, nothing matters. So I'm just going to eat junk food all day long, and who cares? It's like, it doesn't matter anyways. So why make any effort to change? Why do anything? Right? It's, it's like, we got we to gotta really break that within ourselves. And I imagine everyone here, you've already, you, you already get that. But like for people in the world, like we got we to gotta break that, that nihilistic meaninglessness because that is the trap. And all you have to really do to empower yourself and transform yourself is give yourself new meaning. 
Like it's, you're a meaning making machine, right? So you can just imbue meaning back on yourself and you can reinvent yourself every single day. That's the beauty of all this is that you can change every day. Something's not working with your diet. Great. Switch. Change something. I mean, it's amazing how many people don't do that. They don't Mm -hmm. just change. They don't just experiment. It's like, dude, like, okay, this thing's causing an allergy. Okay, let's change it. Let's do something else. But no, people are complaining because complaining is just as good as doing something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, stop with the complaining. Just get on with the game of life and just do something different. You don't like your career. Okay. What else would you rather do? (laughs) It's like, no, 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 but I'm stuck in this thing. And it's this perpetual viral infection of just nonsense. This complaining, complaining, complaining. And that's one of the things, that's one of the spells, you know, that we have to break is like this, this, um, this compliance with mediocrity. You know, because transformation is tough. Transformation, in order for you to become all that you can be, it's going to require you to, to give all that you have to give. Right? And that's called living a meaningful life. Like, you can do anything. You can overcome any circumstance, any obstacle, if you have enough meaning for it. Right? Who here is a mom? Any moms in the house? Did, did your life have more meaning when you had your first child? Did all of a sudden, did you have more meaning for yourself in your life? No matter what. And I imagine for some of you, maybe things weren't super cush before. Maybe there were some challenges that you were going through, some struggles, right? But all of a sudden, that little miracle of a being comes out, and I imagine things got things changed, right? Things that maybe you couldn't, you didn't even know were possible inside of yourself, all of a sudden, not even a question, right? Because now the meaning for your life is not just about you, but it's about that being and all that means, you know, on a bigger picture. You know, and it's like, we can be doing that every single day. Like, what's the meaning of your nutrition strategy? Why do you want to, why do you want to change your diet? Or why do you want to optimize your nutrition protocol or your lifestyle? Well, there's a million different reasons why that could be. Maybe men, more mental clarity, more comfort and in, in efficiency in your body, more energy, more enthusiasm, more inspiration, more intuitive guidance, more connection. Right? And then you and then from there, beyond just the benefits to you, then you trace that to like, what do I want to do in the world? What's the contribution that I want to make? Whether that's just to my family, that's being a proper role model for my children, that's being a pillar in my community, that's that's you know, writing a book, that's whatever, like, there's a lot, anything that really trips your trigger, you can immediately start connecting that and linking that to a purpose. Because if you just, the thing I see in the diet world is that people have no, no goal associated with it. So there's like, yeah, of course that's not going to stick because there's no meaning to what you eat. Like who cares, right? It's not leading you anywhere, but as long as, but if there's a goal associated with it, and there's enough meaning behind it. All of a sudden, all those those habits that you had that were um, uh, inhibiting you, inhibiting your progress, they start to move away. They just remove themselves altogether. You don't have to deprive yourself. You just add things in. 
You add good things in. You add one superfood smoothie in, and it immediately displaces the other thing that was taking up space. And then you have an experience of feeling better. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, I like that. That was way better than what it was before. You heal your digestion. You heal your hormone imbalance. You heal your brain fog or something. All of a sudden, for the first time ever, you experience what it feels like to actually be healthy. Right, and then all, and then for there, the mediocre, the mediocrity program starts to get overridden. Right, people are living in a self-induced mediocrity, and they're just like they don't know how to get out of it. Well, just start adding in something new. Start doing do one thing at a time. You don't have to do everything. I'll throw the whole the kitchen sink in. Just do one thing. Add in one green vegetable juice. Add in one superfood smoothie. Add in one chapter of one book. You know, add in like a podcast, add in an online educational course, you know, what, whatever, add in a hike in nature, just do something because if you don't do anything, nothing will change. So you're better off doing something and stacking the odds and, and creating more probabilities that something else will happen. You know what I mean? And the, the cool thing is this never ends. Like, you never stop learning, you never stop growing, you never stop getting... Like, the, how healthy you can be has no limit. <laughs> One of the things I see and I've experienced is that, like, I'll get to a place of health where I feel so good, I feel so vital, and then the old identity will come up and it will try to pull it down. Like, old habits, old phantom habits will come back in. It's like, oh yeah, that tobacco, that's cool. I'm so high, I'm feeling so high, it's like, oh, oh, that's kind of scary. I didn't know it could go this high. I better ground myself. I better materialize, I better, I better gravitationally suppress myself, or move myself back down a little bit because I'm too high, right? I'm too, the, you know, I didn't know the, that it could be this good. I'm making too much money too quickly. Oh shit, what am I gonna do about that? I better, I better, I better stop that. I better, I better do something to inhibit myself from going further because my field can't hold that much abundance. I don't have the energetic capacity for that reality yet. And so you go through these, you go through these identity reinventions and you go through like these capacity increases where you hit, you hit a plateau and the tendency is to descend back down to where you were more comfortable. Right, because it's hard to expand. It's hard to actually hold that much when you're not used to it. Or you don't have a context for it, right? So, but once you know that and you get that, then you can kind of relax a little bit. If you need to relax, okay, it's like working out. It's like okay, you increase your strength, increase your your um, ability. Then you go take a break, right? Not everything is all the time, but you got to be able to catch it. You got to catch. You got to be able to catch. The, the psychological rerouting because then it can be transformation just becomes like it just becomes arduous right this is supposed to be fun one of the things Dottie said um, is like she she just she got tired of being bored right she just wants to have fun this is supposed to be fun right like get that like this is supposed to be fun like healing yourself can be fun it doesn't have to be horrible like oh my god this wheatgrass oh this arugula god just, oh <laughs> I'm, I'm eating this to heal myself. Ugh. Like, no, forget. Don't do that. Do something else. You don't like arugula? Great. Let's get you onto something else till you find out what works for you. 
You know what I mean? It's amazing. So, you know, that's just, uh, that's just a little riff and rant on, on my perspectives. How does, how does all this intersect? Like, how do you transform yourself? How do you, how do you, how do you empower yourself in a way that isn't about forcing? Sometimes you need will, you do need willpower, but that's an adrenal thing. In Chinese medicine, they have, um, they have a perspective around willpower and how kid, like the kidneys foster an emotional resonance. So like the kidneys will hold fear. And if you have too much fear and anxiety and manicness, you'll have a, a adrenal fatigue. Your kidneys, your kidneys will be weakened by being run down by fear. They'll be adren- you'll be adrenally exhausted. But if you start to develop willpower and courage, then all of a sudden you feel like, what is this? What is this? The kidneys right here holding, holding that all up. And then people have thyroid issues and they don't realize that the kidneys and the thyroids are interlinked together. There's a communication system between the two. And a lot of people with thyroid issues have adrenal weakness. And a lot of people with adrenal issues have thyroid issues, right? And, you know, that goes down a whole other long rabbit hole. But then just thinking on Chinese medicine and the emotions, every single organ has an emotional signature to it. So if you have some kind of heart issue, usually have some pain around your mom or the feminine, right? Whether you're a man or a woman. But typically, statistically speaking, who has the most amount of heart conditions? Women. Men. Mm-hmm. It's a hardening, like a heart attack or a heart disease is a hardening. It's a calcification. It's a demineralization and a calcification where the, the arteries in the aorta of the heart, which, which, which suctions the blood upwards and through the whole cardiovascular system, the, the walls of the, the capillaries get calcified and they start to get hardened and they actually break down. This is what's going on with strokes. Stroke isn't a neurological condition. Stroke is a cardiovascular condition. And it's a calcification condition where calcium crystals get stuck in the, the thinning of the, the, um, the arteries that transfer blood and oxygen to the brain and it gets stuck. And then all of a sudden, blood and oxygen can't get to the brain. Does that make sense? And then for women, it's like when we look at things like breast cancer, What's that about? Well, typically on an emotional level, um, a psycho-spiritual and, and metaphysical level, that's usually when a woman is placing other people's needs ahead of herself. You'll see this typically with, with single moms and that kind of thing, where they, they basically place all the value and meaning on their life in their children. They project it onto the children. And then eventually when the children grow up, they're like, whoa, okay, we need to get out of here. Because they're clinging on to them for their meaning. And then all of a sudden the kids leave. And then we, what we see is that the, the development of breast cancer, if it hadn't already manifested before, starts to happen like spontaneously. It's really fascinating. Yep. So what, what has to happen is we have to actually deal with our own stuff. And we have to create meaning for our lives um, that supports us. And empowers us. And whatever wounds or whatever we have, we just got to heal it. We just got to get to it. Like, let's get out of healing and just get to healed as quick as possible. Because you can do it as quick as possible. And then from there, then you can start living the life that you want to live. 
right? You can get on the other end of it and just kind of ride the momentum wave, get on the synchronicity ticker and start letting life actually carry you. It's a whole different conversation. Whole different conversation. Yeah. So this is so like just I'm kind of in closing on this and I want to share a few things with all of you. Um, it's really the principle that I find most powerful is subtraction by addition. Subtraction by addition is basically the adding in principle that I spoke about is like just adding something in. You don't have to deprive yourself. You don't have to reset the whole template. You don't have to change everything in your life at once. You just add something in that makes sense to you in the moment. For me, it was a green vegetable juice. One green vegetable juice started me off on my path and it was like, that, that, that led me to where I'm at right now. That one green juice. If I never had that green juice, who knows what would have happened, right? The timeline would have been completely different. But the old timeline collapsed in the new one because I drank a green vegetable juice. As crazy as that sounds, I promise you that is exactly what happened. And that's what I see happen with everyone. I can, I can rattle off endless amounts of stories that I know of people that have healed themselves from things that, you know, are, are incurable. You know, even in the alternative world, things that are like super tricky and complicated that are like, you know, even functional doctors and stuff can't really figure out. I've seen people have incredible healings just because of that one principle. <clears throat> and one of the things about that is it's not just a physiological and biological thing. Your biology is responding to the externalized environment. Your biology maps out the trajectory of the stars and the coordinate of the stars and the, the astrology. That's why astrology actually works. That's why you can actually get an accurate read on your own particular incarnation because your cells are tracking the stars. Whether you believe this is a flat earth and it's just a dome or whatever your belief system is about it, there is something happening, right? We do have the lunar cycles, right? The, the phaseology of the moon, we do feel, especially women, you know, you feel it. There's cycles in, in the, there's a seasonality and you feel this time where it's like, okay, spring cleaning. Like, okay, it's a good time to cleanse, right? It just, these things just pop up. This is intuitive. Like it, your body is tracking all of this stuff. And so when you're in an environment like in a city, for example, you're in closed doors, you have a ground, it's a mimicking, you're basically mimicking nature. So you have an artificial ground, keeps you ungrounded, disconnected from the actual, the actual healing factors of the earth. So you're constantly inflamed. And then you have artificial lighting, which is mimicking the sun. You have tap water, which is mimicking the hydrological cycle of, you know, water. And then you have air conditioning, which is mimicking the atmosphere and air. So once you see that, it's like, okay, so maybe are you telling me that I've been living in a boxed in reality all my life? I've been living in a box. I drive to work in a box, to go work in a box, and I eat out of a box. So maybe I've become square. <laughs> And my reality is just very boxed in. What ends up happening is then when you start breaking out of the box, you get into nature, you start becoming reactivated as a natural human being. 
when you get grounded to the earth and you start to actually get the negative ions or the electrons pulsating into your skin, there's an anti-inflammatory effect. There's a blood thinning effect. There's a creativity effect. Studies have shown that when you're grounded, you're more creative. You're out of your left brain. You're more in your right brain. And the right brain uh, scientifically does not need sleep, by the way. That's a whole nother crazy thing. Say it's just as crazy as breatharianism, but it does exist. It is an anomaly that has been proven and does exist. Has it been proven by scientism? No, nothing has. That's the point. But is it a scientific reality based on the fact that it does ha it has happened? Yes, it has. And so that's interesting. So if I'm ungrounded, I might be more hyperlinear. I might be void of metaphorical understanding, right? I might not be able to interpret something properly, taking everything literal. Right. Like, right, like all the, like religion, the whole thing with religion is you have, religion's fun. There's a lot of great stories in the Bible if you can interpret them. The problem with religiosity is there is no interpretation other than just, lin it's literal, and then we go to war because we literally take the story that's a metaphor, it's an archetype, and then we take it super literal and then, you know, you get it, right? So that's a whole other part of it. There's intrinsic, there's intrinsic benefits to all this that go far beyond just like, oh, I want to feel healthy. Who cares? Health, it's arbitrary. Who cares about being healthy? Like, I want to be activated. I want to be optimized. Once you go to that, that's a whole other octave. Once you start thinking about being activated and optimized, you stop thinking about being healthy. It's just as part of the deal. Yes. It's just a natural byproduct, right? So you got to actually start believing in yourself a lot more. you got to believe in the possibilities more. You can't get stuck in this thing, this arbitrary thing called health. Because that, that's like, you're never going to get healthy because you, you can't hit what you can see. You actually have to go far beyond to go past where you're at. Right? You've got to aim for the moon, hit the stars kind of thing, or whatever, aim for the stars, hit the moon, that kind of thing. That's true. You've got to be able to aim so far beyond what you can see and believe that life takes over. Otherwise, it's just you doing it. Then, then we have nihilism. Then we have suffering. We have challenge. We have obstacles. We have hardness. But you have to get to a place where your belief for what's possible is so far beyond where you're at that it actually requires a massive amount of support. But if you can do it by yourself, the universe has no reason to even intervene, right? You're selling yourself short. That's a really important principle. That kind of thing does happen by getting grounded. You start to, you start to, this thing, the box starts to open up. Then you start drinking natural spring water all of a sudden. That, that changes everything. I would say, the most powerful transformation in health I ever had was going up to a natural spring maybe 10 years ago and drinking water out of the womb of the earth we call the spring. I had a complete transformation of my consciousness. There was definitely a spiritual element to that that I can't quantify, can't quite, can't quite use with metrics, but it's like it's a felt experience. You start to realize like, wow, the whole world is under tap water consciousness. It's like it changes your consciousness then all of a sudden, you can start getting the messages. Because your pineal gland, which is the mediator between the right and left hemispheres of the brain, 
that little gland in there that's responsible for your melatonin production and your DMT production, if you're into that kind of thing. And it starts to decalcify, and all of a sudden, you start to get inspired downloads. Get where I'm going with all this? You get the, you get the point? Right? So, you know, ultimately, it's about just choosing to do something different and making a different choice. You know, the most amazing thing about all this is you can change your mind. You don't have to believe what you believed yesterday. Who cares? Why am I going to keep doing that? I'll have the same thing I had yesterday. Let's change it up. Let's roll the dice. Let's see what happens. And so that's, that's, that's it. I mean, you know, what else to be said? That's it. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Yeah. And, and